The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are going to talk about why the Packers are not dead. Um, reasons for it. I know it's easy to think that way, but I am going to be the optimistic one. So I'm going to zag in the positive while all of y'all are negative. We'll talk about the game. We'll go through golden kegs after. Uh, we'll also explain why the Badgers set a st- sent a statement yes in their win on Saturday to Purdue. And then lastly, we will revel in the box, maybe do a quick golden kegs for them as well from their win over the Houston Rockets and a look ahead to this week for the Bucks. Before we get going, just to let you know, uh, we're on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We also are on Facebook under the same name too. Um, make sure that you are rating and reviewing, also subscribing. We'd really appreciate that. Um, I know a lot of you listen, a lot of you talk to me about it. Um, I would really appreciate it if you guys showed love in some way. Um, so whether that is a rating, whether that is a review, whether that is just sharing it with your friends, telling, you know, say, hey, you know, this is a little different than what we're hearing in the local media landscape about the Packers. Um, that would be much appreciated, and I would love that. So let's get into it. Let's not waste any little more time because it's always busy on for, on Mondays. And let's talk about the Packers and why I am still holding out hope. The Green Packers did lose again on Sunday. I don't think any of us expected it, right? Uh, I we, we talked about the spread on Friday and got ready for the game. And I said, yeah, it's a little bit of a stay away. If it gets down to four, maybe just take it because that seems like so low of a number. It did get down to four. I did take it. I did lose. But anyways, regardless, it's not a lost one yet. All right. Right now, I can understand how fans want to give up. Right. I want to I understand how people want to say cancel the season, you know, put it away. You know, I had friends who canceled the Brewers season back in August of this year and they proved to be right. Right. They proved to be the right people like they made the right decision. Now, I think football is a little bit different, number one, and for a variety of reasons. But number one, it's not an everyday thing. Right. It's every Sunday. So it's like, are you just going to give up your Sundays and not watch Packer football or, you know, loosely watch Packer football, get some other stuff done around the house. I mean, you certainly can't, right? You certainly certainly could be like, you know what, this is a lost year. I'm out until further notice. I would kind of call you a bandwagon fan. Uh, I, I would, because I, I think at this point, it's either you gotta be in. Like you gotta go through the bad shit too, right? You can't just be a front runner when times are good, be with it. We haven't had a lot of bad times as Packer fans. Uh, look at the Lions right now, okay? Like the Lions have been bad forever. The Lions had an awesome hard knocks year. Everybody pounded their over. Everyone's like, this Lions team's gonna be good. Some people thought the Lions were gonna make the playoffs. And now they're one in five. Their offense is fucking terrible. Uh, Jared Goff has turned back into a pumpkin. Uh, and the Lions are looking like one of the worst teams again in football. That's crazy that that happened, but that's been the Lions forever. So I look at that and I say, okay, Packers are three and four. I'm probably going to be three and five as they take on Buffalo, but we're not Detroit. Look at Cleveland, right? Cleveland had a little bit of success. Then last year was kind of a lost year for them. This year, you know, trying to make it work with Jacoby Brissett. But, they, but at some point, Jacoby Brissett's Jacoby Brissett. He's a backup for a reason. He's been a career backup for his entire career. He cannot carry this team that far. And now you have to face a red-hot Cincinnati team um, on Monday night. And that will not go well for the, for the Cleveland Browns. So that's where I come in and I just think about what the Packers have done and what where it's been. And there aren't many bad seasons. It sucks when they happen, 
right? But you hope that it, it's not something that's long, it's sustaining and that it will somehow get fixed. And maybe it still can get fixed this year. The Chiefs m made it to the AFC Championship game last year and they were three and four. I understand the Chiefs probably have more talent than the Packers, right? I, I fully acknowledge that. But it's worth noting that the Chiefs had hard games, the Chiefs had difficult tasks, and they still got there despite a three and four start, okay? Like the Cincinnati Bengals were an afterthought. No one was thinking about the Cincinnati Bengals as a Super Bowl team at this point of the year. The Rams lost three straight games to be seven and four and looked sort of like what we've seen of the Rams and Stafford of old and looked like they were going to regress and fall themselves out of the playoffs. So that's, that's all of me saying it's a long season. It's not something that we can just pin on it and say it's over and it's not going to work, even if they lose to Buffalo. Even if it is a three and five start, even if it's a four game losing streak, there is still room to go. And honestly, a, a losing streak with Buffalo included might actually be okay for Green Bay because it avoids the trap in Detroit. Then Detroit becomes a must win. Then Detroit becomes, you know, your ultimate focus. You're not worried about Dallas the next week, who I actually think might be the best team in the NFC. Um, you're not worried about that because you look at it and you're like, all right, this is who we have to play. And did the Packers get shitty luck with the NFC East this year? Yeah, it's the first good year for the NFC East in forever. And that's unfortunately who Green Bay has to pay. And Dallas and Philly loom in the month of November. You probably hope that that could be one and one. You say, okay, win, win everything else around it, knowing that one of those NFC East games is probably a loss. And you hope it's not Dallas, A, because I'm going to be there, but B, because it's Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field. And you don't want to lose that one. That's one you just you don't want to lose. And I, I think Rodgers won't want to lose that either. So, yes, I'm still holding out hope. I know that Aaron Rodgers... I know that a lot of people believe the Packers can't make a deep run in the playoffs. I, I fully acknowledge that. But I still believe they are. there's reasons to believe. I still believe that you can still hold out Super Bowl hope. Like I, I, I do because, again, just to what I, how I explained it, this, this NFL seasons are not this short, condensed thing anymore. And there's a lot of change. There's more parity than ever in the league. And it still can happen. I would be much more worried about Tampa Bay than I would be the Packers. Now, I know what you could say. Charlie, that's bias. You're a biased Packer fan. Of course, you, you would focus on Tampa Bay. But let's, let's be clear here. Tampa Bay lost to a bad Pittsburgh team. And then Tampa Bay lost to Carolina, who has fired their coach, who traded their best, their best running back, who doesn't have their starting quarterback. And they got their asses kicked. They didn't just lose. They just didn't get off the fucking plane. Now, the Packers did not get their asses kicked by Washington, right? The Packers built up a lead and then lost the lead like they have in a lot of different games this season. If the Packers can hold their leads against the Giants in Washington right now, we are talking about a team that is four and three, right? That's, that's the difference between four and three versus three and four. Um, you know, and it's two less losses. Or actually, no, five and two, right? Like the Jets one and the, and the Vikings one are losses. That, those are games that you look at and you're like, those were lost at the start of the snap. The 
Giants and Commanders games are either or. They break in different directions. They're one-score losses. The Giants have six one-score wins. At some point, that variance sort of evens itself out. Now, you could also argue, well, Charlie, the Packers got lucky with the Patriots and the Buccaneers, and there's a, there's a situation where the Packers might only have one win this year, and the only one they've looked good in is the Bears. But I, I think you could do that with the entire NFL. I really do. I, I, we could go through it. We're not going to. But I, I just think to pour dirt on Green Bay seems odd if you're not also pouring dirt on, on Tampa. If you want to say they're both done, go ahead. All right? If you want to say they're both done, I, I, I get it. I understand that. But if you are like me and say there's still I still see something with Green Bay, I have to acknowledge that I probably still feel the same way about Tampa Bay. Playing an awful division right now. It might be eight wins, nine wins to get there. And I said, I guess another thing for the Packers, and we'll get into now the reasons why I'm not canceling this season. And this wasn't even on my list, but since we're talking about divisions, reason number one, the start first reason, I wouldn't say it's the number one reason, but the first reason I have is, you know what? I still don't believe in the Vikings. I realize the Vikings are five and one. They play Arizona this week, which I actually think is a really interesting matchup because Arizona now with DeAndre Hopkins back, Kyler Murray, even though this, they're about as dysfunctional as a reality TV family, they somehow figure out a way to win football games. And, you know, it's a tough environment, very tough place to play, but you never know. So, yes, we could be talking about a 6-1 and one Vikings team. That is very much on the table. And if we are, then, yes, it gets harder for the Green Bay Packers. They have to make up four games. But I have seen, you know, it fall apart for them. They have to go Commanders, Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Jets, Lions. So, I mean, they, the schedule is, it, it shapes up pretty nicely for, for the Vikings. Um, they would have to have some dumb losses in there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a done deal that they're going to be a, you know, the division winner. I, I know the Vikings fans feel that way right now, and they should, but they, we've seen it in the past. We've seen collapses from that team. I don't know if it's in the DNA. I don't get it. But if the, they start hearing those footsteps, they play the Packers, you know, two weeks uh, before the NFL season is over. So we shall see. We shall see if the Packers can figure out a way to sort of right this ship and find themselves even into a division race, which Tampa has because the division is absolutely awful. So let's get into some of the other reasons why I think that there's still a chance at a long playoff run into maybe a Super Bowl, which I understand sounds like crazy talk at this point. I also think the NFC stinks in general, all right? Like, I think it's going to take nine wins to get into the dance, okay? So you have to find six wins out of that that you can you can get done. All you got to do is get in. We saw this play out with the Philadelphia Phillies in baseball, right? They're the worst team in the whole thing. They had to scrap and claw. They barely won any games in September, and they still got into the fucking playoffs, and now they're into the World Series. So I don't want to hear like, oh, if we get the seven seed, it's meaningless. It's like, no, it's like... If you have a chance and you're in there, and let's just say they're, let's say the Giants keep it up and you get the Giants round one, I think the Packers are favored in that game. Like, I really do. Because the Giants at this point are about as smoke and mirrors as it gets. It's a fun story. I like Brian Dable, but we have to acknowledge that the Giants keep pulling games out of their ass. And at some point, you're not going to be able to pull. 
right? At some point, that's going to fucking end. So yes, I still think that the Packers, if they get a seven seed, can still find their way to the big dance. It's likely that you would be playing a team from the NFC West. I don't know. Like, right? Like, who's the two seed? Is it maybe Minnesota? So if you get Minnesota round one, it could be Minnesota. You get Minnesota round one, and then you have to play Philadelphia. It's two teams you're familiar with. And then who knows what happens in the conference championship game. And also, too, like, it's so cliche, and we bring it up all the time, but Packers got to a Super Bowl without a home game. And... You could argue that maybe Lambeau, there's just a little too much pressure. And maybe being away from Lambeau would be a good thing. You know, Rodgers has said, no one's going to think that we're going to win this Sunday. And maybe that's good for us. And he, I, I can buy into that. Like, I can buy into that nobody believes in us and shock the world and turn around your season. Because that is what we talk. That's the fucked up thing. Everyone's like, oh, the Packers are dead. The Packers are dead. And it's like, if they beat Buffalo, which again, it's not likely, but if they do, that's the conversation. The Packers turn around their season. The Packers fix things. Well, you know, what do we make of this, right? That's why I like, I can't just, I can't just say it's buried. Even if they lose to Buffalo, really, it's, it's true. Number two, a move has to come. I, I really don't care if this is unrealistic, but Green Bay has to make a move. I push back on the idea that they are sellers, all right? Like, I don't buy that at all. I'm Matt Schneidman, who it writes like a US, US Weekly or Us Weekly, Us Weekly. He writes like an Us Weekly, you know, columnist uh, in terms of like his dramatic tones on Twitter. It's like, settle down, dude. Like, it's not that serious. Like, everything doesn't have to be a greeny tease, okay? Uh, I, like, he's like, oh, implosion. Like, they should be sellers. No. Absolutely not. Like, first of all, it it is a, it's a long way to go. And could a receiver, an offensive lineman help fix things? Yes, absolutely. The Packers overestimated their talent on the offensive side of the football. That is a discussion for another time. That is likely a more of a tab in the keg discussion. Because I do think you can ask some questions about Brian Gunacoust. I do. I, I, I think it's... It's not out of this world. There are at least at least some conversations being had, right, between Mark Murphy and Russ Ball and others. Because you look at it and you're like, we gave Rodgers all this money. It seems like Rodgers is washed. Would Ted have done that? I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't say washed. I shouldn't go that far. But it's not been a good year for Rodgers. And I think there's a lot of questions. What would Ted done? Would Ted have gave Rodgers that deal? Would Ted have paid Jair Alexander? Who again who got burnt, and we'll talk a little more about Jair later in the show. But like, would Ted have paid Jair Alexander? Would Ted have, you know, with Devontae, even though Devontae wanted to get traded, would De- De- Ted have demanded an asset? Would he have demanded Darren Waller, who I know is not playing well? He, he got hurt and he's out, you know, for I think a second straight game or a third straight game. But would Ted have demanded an asset back? What would he have done? You know, I, I just look at it and I. I think we at least have to have a conversation about Brian Gunacoust. I, I don't know if I'm there yet where they need to make a change because I think it's so easy for us. We just always pull that trigger, right? People wanted David Stearns fired. People wanted Craig Council fired. People wanted Mark Ananasio to sell the team. Um, people, Some people still don't like John Horst, which is crazy to me. Um, people wanted Bud fired after uh, 2020. 
you know what I mean? Like we're all are, we're so easy to pull that trigger because that's the only thing we know how to do. Um, I think some of that's sports media's fault today and everything like that. But I don't think it would be, it, it would be, I would say journalistics. I'm not a journalist, but it, it would be wrong of me not to at least acknowledge that Brian Gunacus has some flaws here and that at least, at least needs to be examined. It at least needs to be taking a look under the hood and seeing what Brian Gunacus could have done differently. So that's all to say that you need to make some sort of move. And I wouldn't give up a ton of ton of draft capital because what if you're really bad and you end up with a high second round pick or a high third round pick? But if you can figure out a way to get Brandon Cooks, the Texans already have a ton of draft picks, right? Texans are going nowhere. And Brandon Cooks has a pretty affordable contract and you add Brandon Cooks to that wide receiver room, I think that's going to help you in a long way. Just It's going to make Green Bay better. You're going to get more weapons. And I understand people are like, I don't want to hear Aaron Rodgers doesn't have enough weapons. And it's it's true that people are doing with less, but to add more talent is only going to help things. It's only going to push the ball forward and try to make it happen. I don't want the Packers to make a panic trade, but I also want them to do something that, you know, acknowledges they they are they fucked up a little bit this offseason. So that's that's really all I'm asking. Number three uh, is that I think Aaron Rodgers will buy into Matt LaFleur's system even more and it will lead to success. The Packers need to be a run-first football team. I think some of the run-the-damn-ball stuff is a little overdone by media here in Green Bay and Milwaukee, but I, I also think that it needs to be it needs to be more. I was stunned that Aaron Jones only ran the ball eight times yesterday. I thought Aaron Jones ran the ball a little bit more. Now he caught nine passes, so in, in, in turn had 17 touches. I don't know what his targets were. I don't have it up up right now. But so Aaron Jones did get the ball. Like Aaron Jones, this is only the third time Packers have lost when Aaron Jones has touched the ball 17 times. I understand the Packers perspective a little bit on Aaron Jones not being a bell cow because Aaron Jones had a lot of injuries, right? I think we forget this um, because Aaron Jones is awesome. Aaron Jones is great. Aaron Jones has had some injury problems and I do think there's a little bit of load management going on, but I I think that load management has to go out the window. And I'm not trying to be crass and I'm trying to be, you know, like football meathead guy here. But like if Aaron Jones gets hurt running the ball 25, 30 times, he gets hurt, right? You have to you have to just put it all on Aaron Jones. Like A.J. Dillon's snap count has to go away, right? Um, A.J. Dillon has taken a step back. I think A.J. Dillon, you know, focused more on being the mayor of Door County than making sure that he kept his speed. Um, A.J. Dillon, nice guy, but it's clear that he did not put in the work this offseason. And he let sort of the fame of being a Packer Packer celebrity get to him. And and I don't think that's a hot take. I, I really don't. I think I think just there's more more should be expected out of AJ Dillon. And his his year has been one of the worst on the Packers. Um far, bar none. And it's more justification to those who criticize the Dillon, the Dillon draft pick in 2020, because they're looking right this year, while others who like myself who defended it looked right last year. So I think next year is probably going to be the either or on that whole thing. What if this doesn't happen? You know, what if you know Aaron Rodgers doesn't buy in? Everything's the same. Green Bay is four and six, four and seven. Where do we go from here? 
I just think you have to look at that entire roster. I think you have to examine that entire roster top down, starting with Aaron Rodgers. Do you give Elton Jenkins a big deal? Do you try to find the next unhappy wide receiver, the disgruntled guy who wants out, whoever that may be? Do you look for that guy this offseason and try to bring him in? Can you push Rodgers out the door? Can you talk to Aaron Rodgers about saying, we need to show, we need Jordan Love. And I know we gave you a big deal and maybe you work with us. I love like Ken Inglis, who remains one of the worst people on Twitter, who's like, well, if we, if Aaron Rodgers retires before June 1st, Packers have all this dead cap. I'm like, motherfucker, you don't think that they would work with each other and figure this out? Like, of course they would. Yes, the money looks bad right now. But I'm sure Aaron Rodgers and the Packers would would restructure the deal so that if Aaron Rodgers did in fact file retirement papers, it would not be as significant of a contract blow to this team. Now, will he retire? I don't know. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to go out this way. All right. But can you do another year of it with Jordan Love just sitting on the bench, idling, ready to play, ready for his moment? Do you try to trade Jordan Love? I said it last year about Pittsburgh. And I said, I thought Jordan Love could be moved to Pittsburgh. This was before they had Kenny Pickett, right? But are they entirely sold on Kenny Pickett? Do they really believe that Kenny Pickett is the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers? You get Jordan Love for Chase Claypool, right? If that's the deal. If it's Jordan Love for Chase Claypool, maybe some other obviously pieces around it. I think you look at that a lot differently from both sides of the aisle. Packers get a young wide receiver, a little immature, has some maturity issues, which isn't Green Bay's specialty. It's one of the reasons they didn't pick George Pickens, who, again, was awesome on Sunday. Um, and they get they get Chase Claypool in there, and all of a sudden then they have a young wide receiver who's extremely talented and who can stretch the field and make catches and does a lot of the things that you were hoping Christian Watson would do this year. And all of a sudden you have that filled in with Chase Claypool. So I don't know. I I don't know if that's the move. Um, But yeah, the the whole, if it's four and seven, four and eight, I mean, you got to examine that entire roster and you got to think, what can you do to make things different the following year? And how do you, how do you address those changes? What, what are those changes look like? Do you get a real OC in there? Do you not just elevate and say, all right, Adam Senevich, you've never been an OC before and we're going to give you that role. It's clear that Adam Senevich is over his head there. It seemed that I think Paul Hackett, or Paul Hackett, that's his son. It seems like Nathaniel Hackett, as well as Luke Getze, you know, really did a lot for this offense and their collaboration with Matt LaFleur, I think has been much more impactful than Stenovich. And that's another thing I'm curious to see if Stenovich is going to keep that OC job or if they're going to relieve him of his duties and either elevate somebody else. Tom Clemens has done it before um, in this role where he, you know, basically was the OC. Um, Mike McCarthy called the plays. I mean, Tom Clements is very old, so right. Well, well, A, would Tom want to do it? B, would it be a good thing for Tom Clements and the team? I don't know. Could it be somebody else? But they were the line was much better when Senevich was running things. That was his only job. And he, and sometimes it's hard to carry multiple jobs. It just is. And maybe that's what Senevich is struggling with because it's clear whatever's, whatever's there isn't working. And Joe Barry... I I struggle with the defense because I feel like you have a defense that's out there all the fucking time. But I, I will say if they get embarrassed by Buffalo 
if Ken Dorsey eats Joe Barry's lunch, which I know a lot of people expect it to happen. Um, I, I don't know how Barry can survive that. I, I really don't. I think if they lose like 35 to 14, let's just say, if that's what it is and it's a domination from the Bills and Josh Allen has a crazy game, you have to, you just have to get rid of Joe Barry. You can't, you can't, you can't sell that you're going to be a winning football team to your fan base if that's what's happened against the creme de la creme. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to keep the faith. I realize Bill, the Bills game could go wrong. Um, I will be here until, until I can't be. Um, and so maybe Dallas Green Bay will be the funeral for this season. But I'm going to hold out hope for at least a couple more weeks, if that's okay with all of y'all. That was a long one. Uh, going to Golden Kegs. So Golden Kegs, if you're unfamiliar, it's a thing where we talk about the best and worst Packers from their game against the Commanders. Five kegs signifies you played a really good game. One keg signifies you did not. Five keg goes to Devondre Campbell. Uh, Devondre Campbell was had, had a really good game. Had the best game of the season. Um, kind of similar to Big Bob last week. Where like, do you want to look at the positives? And you look at somebody kind of showed up. Campbell kind of returned to all pro form uh, yesterday. He had a pick six. He had 12 total tackles. I uh, had three tackles for losses. He hit the quarterback once. Like, those were all really good things from Devondre Campbell. And I think he played a really good linebacker. I don't think he had a lot of missed assignments from, you know, past defense perspective. Um, I, there was one I can think of. But all in all, I really liked what I saw from Devondre Campbell. And you could make the argument that Devondre Campbell's interception return kept the Packers in this game. Because if the Packers don't have that, it's 23 to 14 and they lose. And yes, the other, the scoop and score thing, which I think we'll talk about, um, could have made this thing a little bit differently. But yes, I have to sing Devondre Campbell's praises and hopefully this is just a sign of things to come. Hopefully that he's kind of whatever was going on at the start of this year, he's kind of figured it out and he's going to turn it around for a big second half of the year. And if you take that plus Robert Tunyon, who I know didn't have the best of game, uh, three catches, 32 yards, but you start seeing guys sort of refine themselves. That's a really good thing, you know, for the second half of the season. Four kegs goes to Aaron Jones. We mentioned Aaron Jones at the open about the bell cow and needing more from Aaron Jones. Um, and just another great Aaron Jones game. You know, nine catches, 53 yards, two touchdowns. He had that incredible catch um, to pull Green Bay within two points. Um, Aaron Jones also had eight carries for 23 yards. I'm not that fond of the fact that they had 12 rushes at to 23. They just didn't also have a lot of plays, right? This defense, you know, was on the field for fucking 70 plays. That's incredible um, that they basically the discrepancy there was 71 to Green Bay is 47. Um, that's it's not going to get it done, right? It's just, it just isn't. And I do think that, yeah, you need you need a little bit more uh, from Aaron Jones in the run game. And that's not his fault, right? He But he, he played really well um, and was very effective as always. And Aaron Jones is going to keep his head down. But let me tell you, if Aaron Jones, you know, decides he wants out this offseason, I don't think anyone, anyone will blame him, right? I think Aaron Jones has done enough to be the guy for the Packers. It doesn't, it's not Aaron Rodgers, it's Aaron Jones. And we talked about that after week two. And it's kind of convenient that the only game the Packers looked like the best team on the field and looked like they weren't going to give in was the one that Aaron Jones was absolutely dynamic in. But somehow Green Bay has forgot about that game or they just did it to make everybody happy after the week one debacle. I don't know. 
Um, I would love to see Green Bay get back to it. Um, I know Buffalo is pretty tough against the run, but they're pretty tough against everything. So I think in, that, in a game like that where you're a significant underdog, you have to use your best players to, to their full advantage and make sure that that gets it done. And so maybe that is Aaron Jones, and maybe that leads to Green Bay pulling off a complete stunner. Three kegs goes over Sewell Douglas. Uh, really good game from Sewell. Um, kind of similar to Campbell where, you know, Rasul stepped up and Rasul looked like the guy we saw, you know, last year. I wish he would have got an interception. I mean, there were multiple moments where he either could have got a pick six or he could have got a turnover, you know, deep inside, you know, Washington's end zone, Washington's zones. And you, you just think about that and you think about if he makes one pick, you know, that might change the game. That might influence it. He did have the scoop and score that unfortunately got called back for a bullshit illegal contact that completely changed the game right? That completely altered this football game. And I think that's another thing where it's like, you know, when, you're, when we talked about at the open about the Packers being not dead, Green Bay would have had a 21 to 10 lead. Green Bay would have, that drive that Jones and Rodgers had where Rodgers finds Jones in the end zone, that would have been Green Bay's 28th point. And Green Bay's defense would have won them that game. And they, and Washington would have needed a last second drive from Heineke to win that football game. And it would have been 28-23 Packers, and we don't, we're not talking about the Packers being dead. We're talking about, it, did this defense come to life, right? Two defensive turn, two defensive touchdowns, things like that. I, I just, I think you have to at least acknowledge the defense played a really good game in this one. They just had, they just kind of wore down again because the offense cannot sustain drives, and that is impacting our defense significantly. So, yes, I, I thought it was a good game from Russell Douglas. I, I feel bad he couldn't get the scoop and score um, because the guy's the guys a nose for the end zone. And Josh Allen is good. Josh Allen's a great quarterback, might be the MVP so far, but you can pick off Josh Allen. You can make Josh Allen have some dumb mistakes. And that's something that I really hope we see, you know, next Sunday. Two kegs, I got a couple of them. Um, usually with losses, you're a little more critical, obviously. Jair Alexander, uh, I, look, man, talk about being the best player on the defense. You talk a huge game, right? And your bark, your bite has not been able to match your bark, all right? Like, we, had, I just haven't seen it. We gave him all this money. He has Terry McLaurin. He gets what he wants. Garrett Wilson, yeah, puts Garrett Wilson in clamps. Like, made four, he was a four-keg guy last week for us. This week, though, two kegs because... I cannot look at Jair Alexander and Terry McLaurin, who's a very good wide receiver. You should you should have locked down Terry McLaurin. You the the pass that Heineke threw to McLaurin for the touchdown. I, nothing you can do. He dropped that in the bucket. Right, that was a great fucking pass. But the fact that you let McLaurin win on the most important pass play of the game just can't happen. Like just cannot. Because if you make that play, if you win. If you maybe even intercept that ball, which you could have, or you ride McLaurin out so he doesn't get his feet in bounds in, in a sense of not pass interference, but you jostle for that ball. There is position for that ball. And yet Jair didn't do it and let Terry McLaurin catch that football. That, that again, just can't happen. And you talk a big game. You talked about how don't throw at me. People are throwing at you, and you're not. It's not going well. Big test with Stephon Diggs this week. All right, I, I, 
I don't feel as good as I, I probably would in the past. And if that's a game where Jair shows up, I hope it is. Two kegs to Amari Rogers. So some people probably like, Charlie, why wouldn't you put Amari Rogers at one keg? Are you, are you an idiot? Are you stupid? Here's the thing. Amari Rogers, the punt returner, is not good. Amari Rogers cannot return punts. You can't do it. He can't be out there on Sunday. I think it's in his head. I think he just doesn't understand how to do it for some reason. And it's just not working. Do I think there's something there with Amari, Amari Rogers, the pass catcher? Yeah, I kind of do. Like, he had a couple of nice catches in the game. I think he had two catches. Um, he definitely had a third target. Yeah, two catches, 14 yards. And then he had the other target where it was kind of a breakout schoolyard play. But Rodgers moved with Aaron Rodgers. He, he saw what Aaron was doing. He moved with him. It was a tough catch. I mean, that was a catch that I don't know if Devontae Adams even makes, right? Or Randall Cobb for that matter. But I felt like Amari Rodgers was comfortable at the wide receiver position. And I just think there might need to be more Amari Rodgers, you know, playing. Romeo Dobbs was really bad. And we're going to talk about that in a quick second. A little spoiler alert. But I think you have to give other guys opportunities if you're going to have those struggles, if Christian Watson's not going to be out there. And I think Amari's deserved at least some offensive snaps. And that's why I don't think the Packers are going to give up on him. He's also pretty good in terms of like getting down on, on special teams and things like that defensively. So I, I don't think Amari's going to be cut. I think so many people want that to happen. I don't think it will. I think people will think differently of Amari Rodgers if he's not the punt returner. But Green Bay needs to find one. So if that's Rudy Ford, if that's Keshawn Nixon, if that's somebody else, that they have to bring somebody in for that. The only My only reason to maybe cut Rodgers would be the fact that Juwan Winfrey can't be elevated on practice squad anymore, off the practice squad anymore. You'd have to sign him. And Juwan Winfrey, I, I think, has some potential. But I also think Javon Winfrey, you know, has, has had some drop issues. And that was another thing for Green Bay today that they dropped way too many passes. And the I, the other two gag I have before we get into Romeo Dobbs, because we might as well talk about Romeo Dobbs as one kegger. The TV broadcast was brutal. Um, I like Adam Amin a lot. Like, I remember I tweeted at Adam Amin years ago when he was, like, doing low-level ESPN uh, basketball games. And I was like, this guy's great. And he's been on podcasts I've listened to. Uh, he's done some stuff with Rosillo. I used to listen to Solid Verbal, and he was on there. He seems like an awesome guy, all right? But he's not a football broadcaster. I'm sorry. Like, he just – it's either he just can't see. It's that he, he, like, reacts too quickly. Like, maybe in two or three years he gets it. He's good with baseball. He's good with basketball. And sometimes you're just not good at something, right? Sometimes you just have a weak spot. And unfortunately for Adam, it's football. It just it was a tough lesson. Um, Daryl Johnson, I thought at times was insightful, but also I think with Moose, who's been around forever, he loves to hear himself talk. And he just talks, 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 talks. And so I, it was not my favorite TV broadcast. Just put it that way. All right. One keg, I have two. Romeo Dobbs is one. Romeo Dobbs was terrible in this game. Um, he, this was the worst game of his career um, so far. And he was needed to be relied on, and he couldn't be. And I think that you ask a lot of questions about him going forward. And you ask if, you know, can you trust this guy this year? And maybe we put a little too much faith, a little too much stock in what he is. Now, rookies have bad games, right? Young guys have bad games. 
it's important how they respond to that. Big environment in Buffalo. Maybe Romeo can get his shit together and be all right and sort of still still be that guy for the Green Bay Packers. Um, but we'll have to we'll have to see. Other one kind of gets set at the edge. Green Bay has to be better at that. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kingsley and Barre, they all kind of got sucked in and Buffalo was able to run to the perimeter, or not Buffalo, sorry. Washington was able to run to the perimeter way too often. And that needs to be stopped immediately. That needs to be something they have to figure out. And we can be critical of Joe Barry and not playing enough man, which I think he's playing way more of. But they have to be able to set the edge. And that's something Buffalo will take advantage of. They don't run the ball that much. But if Josh Allen sees that edge open, he's going to take it and he's going to run the football. So I think you have to acknowledge that's something Green Bay has to fix you know, going forward. And if they do, you know, maybe it makes that defense even better. So, yes, that's the Golden Kegs for today. Uh, you know, to recap, Campbell, Campbell Jones, Douglas, 5-4-3, uh, Alexander, Roger, Rogers, Amari style, and the TV broadcast at two kegs, setting the edge, and Romeo Dobbs at one keg. All right, let's talk about more positive things, the positive things that happened in the state of Wisconsin this weekend. The Wisconsin Badgers bounced back from their loss against Michigan State with a dominant win over the Purdue Boilermakers. It didn't look dominant, 35-24. If you, you know, got in or you were busy, you know, maybe apple picking this weekend and you checked the score and you're like 35-24, like, oh, they it must have just been a very back-and-forth football game. No, the Badgers dominated this game. They got out to a 21 21- Two three lead in the first half. Great first drive, perfectly set up. It was a great script. Then they get a pick six from John Tutorio, the jewel free or Torchio, sorry, John Torchio, the jewel jewelry thief, uh, which is quite the interesting nickname. Then Purdue goes down and misses a field goal. The Badgers would consecutive would get a touchdown right after that, and before you know it, it was twenty one nothing Wisconsin before you even blinked. The Badgers then, you know, kind of stalled a little bit. They get another interception after um, basically the second or third play, or third play, excuse me, of the second half. Torchio again, uh, and the Badgers are able to score a touchdown shortly or after that. It's 28-3, and then Purdue would get some garbage time stuff. But this was a dominant win from Wisconsin. This is Wisconsin's best win of the year by far. This is as good and crisp as Wisconsin looks. Looked and I, I think personally it's them sending a statement. I think it's Jim Leonard saying earlier in the week, like either you guys are in or you're out. And I love that. I love that Jim Leonard did that. I think that is that's perfect thing for Jim Leonard to be like, all right, either you guys are playing with me, either you guys are on this roster, or you're out. Like it's we're not doing this. You're you're either entering the portal or you're not entering the portal, and that's it. And I think Leonard drew a line in the sand. Some took it, like Marcus Allen, for example, the wide receiver. Um, and others just stayed on board and started to build something back. Now the Badgers are two wins away from bowl eligibility. They get a week off here, um, which is great. I mean, to rest up is a perfect time to get a bye. And then you have Maryland at home before heading out on the road for two. And if you can beat Maryland, then you're one away from bowl eligibility. Now Maryland, 
good, but I think we still saw that Maryland has a ways to go in terms of leveling up. They, you know, we're in a fight with Northwestern until the very end. So I'm not ready to just say, oh yeah, Maryland football. And I know to his brother, Tulia didn't play, but still like it's, it, there's a long way to go uh, for me to be like, oh yeah, Maryland football is like this, you know, juggernaut, if you will. Um, so I think the Badgers, you know, really are trying to, you know, get themselves back into this Big Ten West race. I don't think they can. You know, it's going to be hard, right? Illinois is going to have to lose some football games. Uh, the Badgers right now are two back in the loss column, but with the tiebreaker, they need Illinois to lose three more games, and they also need to climb over, you know, Purdue and Nebraska. Now they do have a tiebreaker over Purdue and Nebraska. We'll see in a couple weeks. But yes, I thought this was as solid. Of, an, of a performance from the Wisconsin Badgers that I've seen all year. Um, I thought Mertz was crisp. I thought Braylon Allen was good. Um, yeah, it's, it's just you you have, you know, Isaac Rendo too had a 54-yard run in this one, seven carries, 72 yards. Yeah, this is, this is exactly what you want from the Wisconsin Badgers. This is what has been missing, what was missing for so long with Paul Chris, where it's 200 yards for Graham Mertz on 13 passes with two touchdowns, right? And then it's, 178 yards on the ground like that's the type of stuff that was desperately missing from this team and I I just I I was really impressed all, all game long and I think I think Wisconsin you know should should really take take a lot away from this um and and hopefully this is a springboard into the second half of the season now that the buy's here and they have the week off, get get a little healthy, you know, rest those bumps and bruises, and sort of push forward with the rest of the year. A, get yourself a bowl, and maybe, maybe just maybe, find yourself into the into the Big Ten West race. Um, Jim Leonard, I think, has done a pretty solid job. You know, two and one so far. I think the fire um, on the sidelines is great. You know, Purdue got a bullshit touchdown. Actually, one of their touchdowns should not have counted. Uh, I don't know what the refs saw. Um, that was just an awful call. And Leonard was hot. Like Leonard was mad. I've never seen Paul Chris that mad on the sidelines. Like I have maybe like the fuck your turnover chain thing years ago, but I've never seen Paul Chris that upset. So to have Jim Leonard sort of show that passion, show that fire, it's been desperately missing for the, for the green, for uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, not the Green Bay Packers. That's been missing from this Badger team for a long time. So to see that fight, I think was a really cool sign, really good sign. And I don't think there's any reservations about making Leonard the full-time guy. I think he's he's done a good job thus far. Um, we'll see obviously what happens in November. Obviously it goes off the rails, Badgers don't win, or they only win one game and they're not bowl eligible. I think that's a really tough sell to your fan base. But this is a strong start and is a major statement win. And I, I think you want to make sure that Camp Randall is in this place that people can go in and win. And that's kind of what the Badgers said yesterday. Like just because Washington State and Illinois won here, it's a new era. It's not happening again. We're making this a very tough place to play. Um, and I think the crowd was great. I think it helped that a it was homecoming, so you had a, you had a lot of rowdy people, you know, reliving their college days. Number one. But number two, it was 70 and sunny, you know, in Madison. And 
it's hard to beat that uh, 2.30 game too. So you have plenty of time to get your boozing in beforehand and afterhand. So I'm sure it was quite the night in Madison um, with all that's going on. Quite a stretch too for Madison, right? You go homecoming and then you follow that up with Halloween. Also worried that bye weeks on Halloween uh, over under one, one and a half pa- uh, Badger players getting in trouble uh, and Madison's Hall- State Street's Halloween. I would take the over in that and I'd cap it about minus 125 if, if we were doing the Tavern Keg Casino. All right, let's wrap up today's show with the Milwaukee Bucks. So Milwaukee Bucks only had a game this weekend. They didn't play two. Uh, sometimes you'll get a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. But the Bucks looked dominant in their game against the Houston Rockets. Now, Houston Rockets, not a very good team. But the Milwaukee Bucks laid the hammer down on them. I tell you guys all the time that first quarters don't typically matter. This first quarter did. The Bucks were up 41 to 23, and they never looked back. The Rockets would get close a little bit, and then the Bucks would kind of just push that lead right back out. Giannis Antetokounmpo, what a stat line. Three kegs for sure. 44 points in 28 minutes. 12 rebounds, three assists. He made 17 of 21 shots. Just an incredible game for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Brooke Lopez asked Eric Name after the game, like, do you guys get sick of writing these stories? Do you get sick of writing, you know, that basically Giannis did, you know, a 30 plus point game. And, you know, we've seen this so much, but it doesn't get old, right? It doesn't get old watching Giannis do this. And I think to me, the biggest takeaway I have is last year, this was the type of game that the Rockets would play it close. They'd try to beat the Bucs because they were the champions. And this is what I've been telling you guys all into the season, that the target's off the back. That people are not going to come into Milwaukee or when Milwaukee comes into town, there isn't this energy that there was last season. I guarantee you the Rockets will play the Warriors and the Celtics tougher than they played us. I just, I know that's the case. I really do. And they they will not necessarily have the same energy against the Bucks because there isn't that, hey, this was the champs last year. We got to beat the champs. And yes, there is, hey, we'd like to beat Giannis. But I think that's more individualistic. I don't think Jalen Green's looking at that because Jalen Green and Giannis are not necessarily facing one another. And yes, did the Bucks give up more three-point attempts than Philadelphia? Yeah, they were 16 of 30, 37. But let me tell you, they were chucking from three. Like as they were losing losing the basketball game, they were chucking from three. They were not necessarily trying to necessarily get, you know, to the line. You know, they there was a lot of bad decisions and things went in. And that's a variance that you're going to have to deal with. Like their entire team or their entire uh starting lineup, you know, made two plus threes besides Usman Gubara. Like, and Usman's not a three-point shooter. He did make one. But yeah, I mean, Jalen Green had 22 points on 19. On 19 field goals, Kevin Porter had 18 points on 15 field goals. Jabari Smith, 13 uh, points on 15 field goals. Like, they... They, this was a solid defensive effort from the Bucks. I, I mean, even if we, if we're kind of doing the keg stuff, like you could argue that Javon Carter is a, a one keg because he didn't score, but Javon Carter, you know, contributed to that. So it's hard for me to look at anybody as like a potential one keg in this one because the Bucks 
overall played really well. I mean, Wes Matthews, I guess, right? He only played, he only played 12 minutes. And I didn't need Wes Matthews in this game. So Grayson Allen, I guess, would be the one I would say if we were doing the kegs. If we So if we did him, let's just do him really quick. So, yes, Giannis, three kegs. Two kegs, I'd go to Drew Holiday, like 19 points, 10 assists, five rebounds. That's a really solid stat line. Did shoot the ball a little bit too much. You know, 15 shot attempts on 19 points is not exactly efficient. Did make three threes too um, out of four attempts. So that's good. Um, The 10 assists is the the part that I really like. And just finding guys and, you know, being a facilitator while also being a scorer. It's a tough thing to do. It's not always easy. I think Chris Paul and others have made it look easy in the past. Uh, But yeah, I have to give Drew credit for that. My one keg, yeah, would be Grayson Allen. Um, 11 points on 11 shots is not good. He shot seven three-point attempts, only made two of them. He made that deep three, which was cool. But yeah, probably out of the guys who played, I thought Grayson Allen's definitely the worst one of the bunch. But yeah, there was a lot to like in this game. Um, you know, I did five blocks from Brook Lopez. That was the funniest thing about that, that game was that Houston kept trying Brook Lopez and they kept failing. They kept getting blocked. I think that's also part of the reason they shot 37 threes is because... Brooke Lopez was, you know, basically paroling the paint. And I think I tweeted out, like, I wish I would have grabbed him at 251. We talked about it on the podcast when we were doing, like, future bets. I was like, yeah, Brooke Lopez is 251 if you want to take a flyer. I think I should have took that fucking flyer. Like, defensively, he was tremendous in this basketball game. And I think the Bucs really did show their teeth. I'm excited to watch them against Brooklyn this coming Wednesday. Uh, we'll have a reaction, obviously, after that game. Um, and then, you know, what? what's to come this weekend? I mean, it's, it's a tough week for the Bucs. Like, you have Brooklyn on Wednesday. You have New York on Friday. All, this is all at home, so that's at least a good thing, right? Um, you have Brooklyn, and then you have uh, New York, and then Atlanta back-to-back. Should have a pretty rowdy crowd, though, Saturday night, uh, Halloween Saturday. Like, that, that'll be a... Be a juiced up crowd, just like you had you had last Saturday night, and so it's fun for us too, as you know, connoisseurs of the sport that we get, you know, Bucks game Saturday night. Um, it sometimes can be hard with wives and girlfriends and things like that, but yeah, I I, I like sort of the schedule schedule that's out in front. Um, hopefully, hopefully the Bucks can continue can you get it done, continue to uh, to show themselves, and yeah, maybe undefeated, eighty two wins, you know, eighty two and zero is is it possible? Some some are asking asking that question. All right, that does it for our show today. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, if you did. Maybe leave a rating. Maybe leave a review. We'd appreciate that. Um, you do that on Apple. You do that on Spotify. You do that on wherever, wherever else you get your podcasts. And if we're not where where your podcasts are, please let me know. Um, I'm happy to happy to make sure that we are on every platform possible. Um, Want to give you guys the best experience. Uh, drop us a follow on Twitter or TikTok. Tapping the keg on Twitter. Tapping the keg sports on TikTok as well as Instagram. Follow anywhere. Instagram. I've been sitting on like 295 followers. It's been kind of absurd. Like, can we just go to over 300, please? That'd be nice. Uh, but anyways, sorry for my voice kind of uh, failing on me here a little bit. Uh, if you hear it, not necessarily sick. Just I talked a lot on Saturday. I was out twice. I smoked a cigar which are all a combination of what leads to strained strain vocal cords. So I'll hopefully be a little bit better for tomorrow's uh, show with Shannon. We're bringing it back. Um, we'll have more on that. It should be really exciting. I should probably talk about that at the Open. But we'll have Shannon on tomorrow uh, to do our new concept that, we're, that we've been working on, name still pending. Um, I've, I, I suggested keg jams today. 
Um, and then Mitch and I, I don't know what Mitch and I will tape. I'll let you guys know. It's been a while, I know. Um, but I think we'll do Thursday. If I if I had to say we'll do for Friday, we'll, we'll do Should I Bet with Mitch, um, even though he's not a better. Um, we'll do Should I Bet. We only have the Packers and Bills. We could also maybe talk about the Bucks line if that's available. Um, because, yeah, we, we don't necessarily want to tape before Brooklyn or during the Brooklyn game. Um, I don't know if Mitch wants to do it afterwards either. So... I'm just now giving you my schedule. Okay, I'm going to go. Take you, take care, guys. Um, we expect a couple more different podcasts from us this week. And hope you guys enjoy. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.